Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. Now, if you haven't been with us, let me kind of get you up to speed with us. We're taking this passage out of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus kind of, he compares his relationship with us to a, to a pathway. And he says that broad is the path that leads to destruction, and that most everybody's on that path. But narrow is the little path that leads to life, and only there, there's only a few therein. What he's doing is he's, he's pointing out, kind of painting an image for us, because in biblical times, in Jesus' time, the Romans had built these amazing highways. They were able to move large groups of people. They could, they could move their army quickly to a region if there was some kind of problem. They had these checkpoints on these highways, kind of like modern-day interstates, if you will. But over the hundreds, thousands of years, all of these little areas had their little footpaths where you would take your horse over to the next little town or your camel, whatever it may be, and they had these little paths. And Jesus is comparing the broad, cool highway that everybody's on that leads to destruction to the small path that's very difficult and sometimes hard to traverse to the path that leads to life. And in that pathway, I would say that as we continue on with Christ and we continue to mature, that we're going to come to these places on the path. We're going to have to cross some bridges, some, some obstacles that have to have something that goes over them, and we have to go over them, got to go through it instead of quitting. And I would connect this whole concept to what I've seen over 30 years. Over 30 years of being a full-time pastor, I have been so disappointed of meeting Christians that have been saved 30, 40 years, and they're still mean. How does Jesus Christ's spirit live inside of you, and you've been a Christian for 30 years, and you're still mean? How are you still a gossip and a slanderer and, 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 and prejudice, and you've been, quote, a Christian for 40 years? How does that happen? And I'll tell you how, because in this journey of growing with God, we'll get to these places where we're like, I don't want to change anymore. I don't want to keep going forward anymore. I don't want to keep developing anymore. Can you imagine a 40-year-old baby? Can you imagine that you've got to move the, the, the hair from his, his beard and his, and his mustache to put the bottle in? Can you imagine? And that's what many Christians are like because they'll get to these moments and they're like, I don't want to go any further. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to face that. I call those bridges. They are connecting points in the pathway. And so you see these Christians that have been saved for so long and they still have these major issues. How is that when the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us? How is that? Because people get to places where they say, I won't go further anymore. So it is my job, my assignment as your pastor, to keep you crossing these bridges, to kick you in the backside a little bit, to encourage you it's okay, and to show you how to cross over some of these. So we started with the bridge of fear. I deal with that, that bridge almost every day now. Can you imagine my situation as a lead pastor of a multiracial, multi-generational church? Can you imagine? I'm trying to keep black folk from being mad at white folk and white folk misunderstand and Hispanic folk and, and Asian folk. And I'm just like, we can do it. And I have to cross this fear every day and walk in faith that God called me to a multiracial church, that God called me and anointed me to bring that together, that we can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But I have to cross that bridge every day. There are many days I'm like, I ain't going across that today. I'm going to sit over here. But I have to get up and I have to cross it. We talked about the bridge of selfishness. 
and the bridge, how that selfishness keeps us from unity. We list out a bunch of bridges already, and today, as we begin to kind of wrap up this series, we'll be talking about the bridge of comparison. Comparison, because that's what it is. It's sin. Our key verse is found in Matthew chapter 7. Turn there quickly. You'll find it on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Excuse me, I'm sorry, John chapter 21. The media team like, what just happened? John chapter 21 and verse 21. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now let me put this verse in perspective for you. Jesus at this point has died, was three days, if you will, in the grave, and has resurrected. When Jesus is put on that cross and murdered, his disciples, Peter, James, John, all these guys, they kind of gave up in their heart. They thought, wow, we thought he was gonna, we thought he was gonna set up like a kingdom and we were gonna be like vice presidents and they were gonna, he's gonna destroy the Romans and the Jews were gonna rally and the king, of God, the king of glory would be God on the earth and what just happened, he just died. And so Peter, the big mouth out of all of them, kind of the ringleader, he goes back fishing. He goes back fishing. He's like, I guess the ministry stuff is over. We've been, for two and a half, almost three years, we've been traveling around, praying with people, helping people, healing people, and now it's all over. So I'm going to go back to what I used to do. How many Christians have I seen do that the moment they get in a place of discouragement? And so he goes back to fishing. Jesus is already resurrected, and he's appeared to him multiple times, but they don't really know if it's over. They're not sure, and they go back fishing. They've been out fishing all night when somebody from the bank yells out, hey, you guys caught anything? Like, can you imagine you've been fishing all night and somebody, some guy wants to ask you that and you hadn't caught anything. So they like, no, we hadn't caught anything. So then this armchair quarterback says, why don't you throw your nets over here on this side? They're like, whatever, dude. But they do it. And when they do and they start pulling the nets in, there, there's so many fish that their nets begin to break. And Peter has a moment. See, this is how Jesus initiated with Peter and them earlier, three years later. And he realized it's Jesus. Now, this dude is in his drawers. He's in his underwear. He don't even worry about putting any clothes on. He just jumps in the water, and he starts swimming. He leaves the guys with the boat and all the fish and all. Imagine that scene. They're trying to get all the fish in. Come on, you seen Wicked Tuna? They're trying to get the fish in and all this kind of stuff. And he just, choom, choom, he's swimming, and he gets there, and there's Jesus. And he's like, oh, it's you, Lord, because he's resurrected. He's alive. It's you, Lord. It's like, yeah, and right there, Jesus has already prepared breakfast for him. He got some hot buttermilk biscuits right there. He's got some eggs with some cheese in it. He's got turkey bacon because they don't eat pork, they're juice. He's got that no sausage. And they're sitting there, man, and Jesus starts feeding them. The guys end up showing up, and they're sitting around kind of probably this little campfire. Imagine it goes something like this, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, let's take a walk, dude. Come on, let's take a walk. And they start walking. I'm sure Peter's walking like this down the shore with Jesus. Waves are kind of splashing at their feet. And, uh, you know, coming up on the sand. And uh, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Jesus, I love you. See, Jesus brings him through deliverance moment because just days earlier, Peter had denied Jesus three times. In fact, in a moment, Jesus had said, hey, guys, they're going to come get me. They're going to kill me. And most of you are going to run away from me. And Peter says, I'll never run away. He said, Jesus, before the night's oh, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times, son. But I pray Satan won't destroy you. I got you back. And it happened just like that. So Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Fast forward back to this moment. Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Ask him again. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. And as this continues into this 
embrace and Jesus is reinstating Peter and rebuilding his confidence because he knows he's failed the Lord. He knows that he was, wasn't supposed to do what he said he wasn't going to do, but he did it anyway. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He knows that he sinned against the Lord, but God in the flesh is loving him anyway. And then in all of that intensity, Peter can't handle it anymore, and he tries to divert attention away. Come on, have you ever been getting in trouble by your wife and you just try to change the subject? Come on, yeah. come on, fellas. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, look at this. We got to fix that over there. Come on. And she's like, la, la, la. And you're like, oh, that, look at this over here. And that's exactly what Peter tries to do. He says, he says seeing him, he's talking, about, he's talking about John. John is the youngest of all the disciples. Most scholars believe that. Now, most, most of you, you've heard me teach this, but I, 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 I can prove it to you in Scripture, not today. But all of the disciples are under the age of 20 except for Peter. So the, here, uh, John is probably 14, 15. Teen. All the other guys are probably late teens. And, uh, and, and then there's Peter, who's, who's got his own business, got his own boat, is married. And so Jesus is having this engagement with him. And he looks over at little John. And I imagine little John is kind of following. I like, see what they're talking about because he's the youngest. And, and Peter sees him and he goes, well, what about him? Because I know how much you love him. That's the insinuation there. And Jesus, I believe he gets that whole angry black woman rolled in the neck. Look, say, hold up. What are you talking about? Let me tell you something. This don't have nothing to do with you, you and him. This is about me and you. It don't matter if he lives until I come back, if he never dies. I want you to do what I told you to do. See, Peter is constantly struggling with comparing himself with John, with comparing himself with everybody else thinks he's supposed to be. He's in comparison like many of us. See, we live in a world today that we are bombarded with comparison. Bombarded. Social media has taken that to a whole nother level. You think about, if any of you are old enough to remember what life was like before social media, you had no idea what other people were doing. You didn't. You had no idea. You had no idea that people were doing this and they were like this. But now it's all over social media. You had no idea what your ex-boyfriend from 30 years ago was doing and now you're on social media and you're like, he married her. That woman is, What? She ain't that good looking. <laughs> Jamie and I were doing that not so long ago, and, and one of the guys that she dated, I was like, uh-huh, look, see? Uh-huh. He's a loser. <laughs> Aren't you glad you married me? She goes, if I'd have married him, you'd be the loser. <laughs> But we do this thing. So, so you know, think about it. You were so excited about your day until you got on social media and realized one of your coworkers took vacation and they're in Hawaii. And you're like, you in Hawaii? How you afford in Hawaii? Because I know how much we make. And then your whole day is shot. Why? Because of comparison. You lose five, five pounds during COVID-19 and you find out that your friend from, from you know, your last job has lost 35 pounds. You're like, I hate them. I hate them. I hate my life. My life sucks. Because of, say it with me, compara. That's what it is. So I want to teach you a little bit about this bridge because we got to get across it. Because it will destroy us. We'll never get to be who God made us to be. The word compare actually means to separate to prefer, to have an opinion, to decide, and actually to judge. 
judge not, lest ye be judged. It's actually to judge. It's to separate out and look and say, mm-hmm, I'm better than them. Oh, they're not as good as me. And Peter's doing that. He's going, what about him? What about me? Because all throughout the three years that the disciples are with Jesus, they're constantly fighting over who's the greatest. They're constantly living in comparison. They're constantly feeding the narrative of their own self-rejection, their own insecurities, and they're trying to overcome their insecurities by stomping on someone else, by belittling, pushing that person down, stepping on top of them so I can, I can feel good about myself. That's comparison. That's what it does. And so Jesus looks at Peter again. And he says, it doesn't matter about that. Do what I told you to do. See, when we start comparing, someone has to be the loser. When we start comparing, either I lose or they lose. We want someone to be the winner and someone to be the loser, and that's a broken way of living. Here's the lie of comparison. Write these down. Here's a couple lies that I've realized over the years about comparison. The lie of comparison. Someone else's fortune is my misfortune. Someone someone else is succeeding, so therefore I'm failing. Someone else's fortune. God blessed him. Why ain't he blessing me? See, that's comparison. Well, somebody got a new car, but I'm still driving the old car. What's going on, God? Where are you? How many times have you done that? Someone else's blessing is causing my struggle. Someone else is being blessed, and so, that's, and so I'm, having, I'm not being blessed. I'm struggling because of their blessing. That's the lie of comparison. Someone else's promotion is my demotion. They got promoted, and so, and so that means I'm not going anywhere. How come that's happening? How come that's not right? How about this other lie of comparison? And that is someone else's success, therefore, is my failure. And so that's why we can't rejoice with those who rejoice, as the Bible tells us, or mourn with those who mourn, because we're in comparison. We're in comparison. We want to, be, we want to feel good about ourselves by making them not be as successful as we are in our own minds, our own hearts. We think that they've gotten so much further than us, and so when we see them stumble, I can't tell you how many times when we see somebody stumble, it makes us feel good about ourselves. It's scary. They stumble, oh, okay, good, I'm not that bad of a Christian, because... If they're messed up, then phew, I'm not that bad. This is the lie of comparison. And the word to us today is the same thing it was to Peter. What's that to you? Just follow me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul deals with it, and he says it like this. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. See, the Apostle Paul, it's early in the church, and so you've got some other men who, and, and, and women who are going out ministering. And so what happens is the church starts going, yeah, I like when, I like when Paul comes. He's a little bit better. No, 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 I like when Silas comes. He can preach it down. Oh, my goodness, he's got the best stories, and he's just he's so annoying. I just get touched when he preaches much more than the Apostle Paul. He's kind of like boring and kind of rude. And what's happening is they're creating this comparison. So the Apostle Paul is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't compare ourselves with ourselves. We don't compare ourselves with other brothers and sisters. And these brothers who are going back and forth doing that, who preached the best message and who, felt, who had the most people saved and how many people came to their meeting, he's, that's not wise. That is wicked. And we do that. We compare ourselves. See, God created you to be unique. And the worst thing you can do is start comparing yourself with other people. You're unique. You're you. And you need to just keep doing you, boo. You're you, you're unique, you're different. Do you understand that we are different for a reason? We are beautifully and wonderfully made. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, comparing can ruin relationships. 
split churches, cause murder, shrink our circle of friends, ruin our business, and dwarf our souls. I want to give you a couple of truths about comparison. Write these down. They'll help you. First and foremost, comparison aims high, but it always brings you low. It aims high, but it always brings you low. You start comparing because you want to feel good about yourself, but it always brings you low. You, you start comparing because you, you want to do the checkoff list of why you're better than that other person, better than your spouse, better father, better than, than, than their, their natural father, uh, better this, better that, all these kind of things. And we start comparing, and we think that that's going to make us feel good. It's going to bring us high, but it actually always brings us low. And I can prove that to you. Look in Isaiah 14 and verse 14. This is Lucifer speaking. I, Lucifer, Satan himself, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So Satan, Lucifer, a created being by Almighty God, he gets to looking at himself in the mirror like, boy, I'm, I'm, what? What? Everybody listens to me? Man, I'm going to be like God. In fact, I'm gonna, I, why has he got to be above me? I'm going to be above him. I'm going to be on the same level as him. The Bible actually says that he got a third of the angels to follow him in a war against God and the rest of the angels. Jesus said, when that war happened, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I picture it like this. Jesus and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit over there, and they're building earth. Bzz, bzz, continents, bzz, you know, trees, bzz, all these things are happening. All of a sudden, Satan comes up, charge! And God's like, bzz, bzz, and he fell like, like, wasn't even a battle. Look what he says, continuing on. He says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet, the Word of God says, you shall be brought down to shield to the lowest depths of the pit. See, when you're constantly trying to put yourself above someone else, it ultimately brings you down. Ultimately brings you down. See, the person who lives their life ruled by the spirit of comparison tends to build all of their relationships downward. Downward. You can see this in a person who's full of comparison. They build their relationships downward. They're okay to be in relationship with you as long as you are downward below them. They have really struggled to have peer relationships where someone can say, hey, brother, I don't think that's right. They really struggle. person with comparison really struggles with authority. Can't handle it. And we've got to point out everything wrong about authority because I am as good as they are. They don't deserve that position. See, this is comparison. Comparing them, why did they get that and I didn't get that? How come that looks like that and it doesn't look like this? That comparison, again, always aims high, but it will bring you low. You can always see that at work in certain folks. Comparison, number two, truths about comparison. Comparison, number two, is the root, excuse me, is the branch of an evil root. It's the branch of an evil root. See, what we see in life and in sin habits and things like that, there are branches and fruit, but then there's a root that causes those things to grow. So if we just chop off the branch, what happens? It'll grow back eventually. If we just cut the weed off, there's still the root under the ground, it'll grow back. And so and when working with comparison, comparison, you don't just say, well, I'm just going to stop comparing. No, no, you've got to go down to the root. What causes you to be like that? What's the root that's causing that? I'll give you a couple ideas on what some of the roots could be. It could be unforgiveness. It could be jealousy. That's a root. It could be insecurity. That can be a root. It could be offense that you've been deeply offended, and so now you're constantly trying to overcome. It could be pride, kind of like, you know, in your life that's kind of been the staple root. We pull that up, all of this comparison will die out. 
could be envy, whatever it may be, there's a couple roots that you could identify and say, is it that, Lord? I want to pull this up because I'm tired of comparing myself. I'm tired of always feeling bad after getting on social media. I'm tired of posting something, and when, people, and when I don't get 100 likes going, oh, I'm a loser, or my life sucks, or waiting when I put something out there to see how many people like it. Oh, now I feel good about myself. Now I feel bad about myself. Compare a sin. Or every time I approach to try to engage in a relationship, if I don't get the immediate response that I was hoping to get, now all of a sudden I feel terrible. I think they're a loser. I don't want to do it anymore. See, that's comparison. That's what it is. Instead of just being you. Instead of just being you. Are you still there? Say yes. Good, because I'm preaching better than you're preaching back. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you that right. Number three. Come on, online folks. Give me a little clap hands. There you go. Thank you. Number three. Third truth about comparison, and that is comparison is like poverty to your soul or to the soul. It's like poverty to the soul. You know what it does? It causes you to never be satisfied. You do a good job and then you're comparing yourself what you could have done better. You accomplish something, but you keep hearing in the back of your mind what your stepdad always said. And you're comparing yourself to what they said was gonna happen. See, never satisfied. You know what the Bible actually teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6? It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Can I just speak something over you? Contentment. Be content. So I was taught never to be satisfied. Yeah, I get that from a kind of carnal, take the mountain kind of attitude. But at the same time, when can you ever just rest in the fact that God is good? And his ways are higher than your ways. And just a loving trust that he's got me in the palm of his hand. And that I can be content in godliness. For it is great gain. See, contentment is actually the opposite of comparison. And so we need to build our lives around the word of God. And live with contentment. Because we trust in the living God. Comparison comes when you and I refuse to just trust that this is good. And it's okay. And God is in it. Instead of how do I conquer it? How do I beat it? How do I overcome to the next level? Here's the fourth truth about comparison. And that is comparison keeps you from running your race. Keeps you from running your race. Paul's dealing with this with the early church in 1 Corinthians 12. And he starts laying out this imagery. He says, every one of us are a body part. We're one body in Christ, but all of us are a different part. He says, and so, and so he says, the, the, the foot can't say to the hand, because I'm not a hand, I'm no good, I'm not needed. Or the, or the ear, you know, can't say to the tongue, you know what, I'm not a tongue, so I'm not valuable. Each and every part is valuable. See, if you can ever just get delivered from trying to be what you're not. The most frustrating thing I watch happen in people's lives is they're just a really good pinky toe. They're just a really good pinky toe, but they're discouraged that they're not a baby blue eyeball. Why did you not make me a baby blue eyeball? Do you know how frustrating you are creating, how frustrating you're making your life because you just won't be you? God made you beautiful. Run your race. Do your thing. Listen, I went through this early on in ministry. Oh, I struggled so much. 
I struggle because, you know, I, I'm just me, right? So I'm starting, in, and, and as I'm ministering to people, older people come up to me and say, you know, maybe you should do this a little different. Maybe you should do this a little different. And I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to take advice. And so I started studying people. And I started studying to try to be like Bishop Jakes. And I, and I just couldn't walk on my heels, and I just wasn't an orator. Like, I mean, he takes a word and he breaks it into five different revelations. And I'm sitting there going, I can't even take notes on it. Like, oh my goodness. And, and, and I tried to do that and it just didn't work for a short white guy. It just didn't, just didn't happen. It wasn't me. I tried to be like Bishop Jakes and I tried to wow them with my intellect. And it just did not happen. So then I thought, well, you know what? I'm nice. So I'll be like Joel Osteen. We're so glad you came here today. And you know, it's like Daddy always said, you don't have to die with the devil, but you can live your best life right now, and we're so glad that you made it here, and we love you. We just, don't we love them? We love you. We love you so much. And I tried that. It didn't work, you know. So then I tried to be like, you know, Benny Hinn, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who, who healed you, sister? Who did that for you today? Jesus did. Hallelujah. 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 And I kept trying to be all these different people, and I realized none of it was working. What it was was comparison instead of just being me. Just be you. Just God made you perfect and beautiful and magnificent. Why do you look over here at your brother or your sister and say, oh, <laughs> look at them. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't have the word like they have the word. You just became a Christian a year ago. You don't even, you, you still are getting your legs. Think about a one-year-old. You're still walking through. They're still walking through. And if we're not careful, we're always trying to be somebody else instead of just be us. And some of you, you still have ringing in the back of your mom, in your mind, what your mom said when you were a kid. And I'm sorry. I repent on behalf of those who spoke over you and compared you with your big sister or with the neighborhood kid down the street or that coach that never just let you be you and constantly tried to make you into something that never fit. David has this moment when Goliath is standing there and Saul tries to put his armor on this 16-year-old. David's got all this armor and he's going to try to fight the giant. He goes, it's not me. It doesn't work. Let me just do my little sling thing, man. Let me just do my little sling thing kills that giant and everybody goes God made you unique and perfect and, and, and your part in the body is perfect and I, I'm the mouth of this church God made me to be that so I'm a mouth too great start a small group he said well, I, well I'm not really a mouth like I, I, I serve teams there's so much place in this church for you to do you because without you can you imagine living without kidneys my father-in-law right now has lost his kidneys and he has to dialysize every week. You have churches that are constantly dialysizing because the kidneys won't be kidneys because they keep trying to be thumbs. You got, you got folks who have such a kindness about them, but they won't stand at that front door and help us just love people when they walk in because they're like, well, you know, no one's asked me. We need you to be you. We need you to be you because without you, we're, we're a broken body. He said, well, what? I, 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 don't really, I don't really know because I saw this person do this. Stop comparing be you and do you 
Because what you are is perfect and beautiful. When are we going to celebrate our differences instead of dividing over our differences? I'm so grateful that God didn't make us all white or all black or all Hispanic or all Asian. I'm so grateful that we have our different cultures. I'm so grateful to be in a church that's all all these different cultures and and ways of thinking. That's beautiful. Yeah, and that's beautiful. I struggle with that, but I love you anyway. And and that's what it's supposed to look like. I'm so grateful that we're not a church with just all old people or just families. We got young folks, too. I'm so grateful that our young people love God with all of their heart. And they just, I, I want them to be young people. Stop being mean to them. Let them be young people. Let them figure it out. They're doing, you did. They're at church. You weren't. When you was a teenager. He said, oh, you being so hard on them. Just like, you know, they just don't need to do this. And they do this. They're going to mess it up. And What did you do when you were 16, stupid? God has brought us together as the body of Christ and we're comparing and harsh on one another and we don't like it and we're still living off those things that what somebody said. Listen, one of the most difficult things for me when I was a young man and we first were Christian and, and we started going to a church that had the really the power of the Holy Spirit, every person, mom and dad will testify, every person, that young man right there is called by God. That young man's going to change nations. The Lord says that you're going to do this and do this and do this. Can I tell you How difficult of a life I've had with some image of some dude who's going to change the world. And here I am just trying to wake up and have a prayer life today. And and who's going to raise the dead and heal the sick. And I'm like, I don't even like anybody today. Like, how am I going to be that guy? And there have been multiple times I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. So I I guess I'm a failure. Because I was comparing myself to some prophecy that someone gave. And I'm, I'm sure it was accurate. I'm sure the Lord was in it. But I'm not there yet. And, I, and if I ever get there, maybe there is right here. Maybe what they saw and described is not what I imaged in my mind as they tried to describe what they saw. Maybe today is good enough to just love Jesus, to be content with the fact that my wife loves me, that my kids love me, that Jesus loves me, that I'm doing my best to make a difference in the world in which I live. Maybe contentment doesn't look like so much of comparing what I was supposed to be instead of what I am right now. Maybe I can get delivered from the sin of comparing and not being good enough or not, or not strong enough or not having a, a good enough prayer life. This is why so many people don't want to be a Christian. Because we painted this picture, they're like, well, I can never be that. And they're like, I don't want to be that. And we've not told them, no, 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 no. Just come into a relationship with the living one. He will embrace you. He will fix what's broken in you. As the relationship matures, all that other stuff falls off. Keep crossing the bridges. Keep crossing the bridges. See, when you get across this bridge of comparison, you know where you'll find yourself? You'll find yourself in confidence. You'll find yourself in peace. Let me give you a couple of closing thoughts real quick. Here's how you know that you've been set free from comparison. Write this down. This will help you. Number one, when you can freely encourage others. When you can freely encourage others. I used to hate. I know I don't look at the back in the day. I was a really skinny little dude. My metabolism was so fast that it didn't matter how much I ate. It just burned it off. So going to the gym in the 80s when the Arnold Schwarzenegger look was the look, not the cool little anorexic looking dude look now that, you know, is the look. Like back in the day, I mean, when every one of us had the huge thighs and we were, everybody, everybody took steroids to get his That was the day in which I grew up. So me with my little skinny self going in the gym, 
and there's some dude over there just cacao, cacao, and I've got the bar, and I'm like, it caused me to never want to work out because I was constantly comparing what their body type was to my body type. Sweet love, you may have a little bit more bump in your trunk. You were made beautiful just the way you are. Stop trying to be that anorexic looking thing. Sweet love, you are skinny. God made you that way. Embrace it. You're beautiful. Be content in who God made you. You are perfect in the way that he made you walk therein. He said, I just don't like school. And I got, and my mom was always like, why don't you study more? I hate it. I hate to study that kind of stuff. Do you, boo? God made you perfect. Stop trying to live somebody else. And you know that you've gotten free from that when you can say, bro, I'll never forget once I was a little older, a little further across this bridge a couple times in comparison, I went to the gym and there was, uh, you know, I was in my 30s and there's this young dude right here, crow, 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 and I felt that old insecurity, that old comparison rising up. I walked over to him and said, dude, you are a stud. I'm not hitting on you. I'm not gay or anything. I just want you to know, bro, that's like, you're the man, bro. Like, you're the man. It was, it was me attempting to get across this bridge and proving that I could encourage other people in a place that I felt like a failure in. Are you there? Say yes. Here's another way you can tell that you cross this bridge is that you can build up the person on the other side. On the other side. You know that coworker who keeps trying to steal the credit for all the work you did? They're on the other side, aren't they? Or how about all the sides we're looking at right now? You're on this side, you're on this side. What life matters to you? What side you want? You know that you've gotten past comparison when you can say, I can build you up. I can build you up. I can believe in you. I believe in you. I'm, I got confidence God is working in you. This is awesome. That's how you know you've gotten past that. I know you got quiet, but I'm speaking truth. Here's the next piece. You know that you're free from comparison when you can commend those who have threatened you. And when you can commend those who threaten you, you can say, man, that's good. Good job. In the past, they threatened you. They made you feel weaker. They, made, they did it on purpose. You know those people. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you married to them. I mean, you, you, you can commend those who used to threaten you. And then the last one. Here's the last one. Here's how you know you're across this bridge of comparison. When you're just happy to be you. Just happy to be you. I told the first service, my dad sitting here on the front row, Pop. Most everybody in our church knows Pop. You know what we all like about Pop? He just pop. He's not trying to be nobody else. Whether you like it or not, he's going to kiss you. He's had the hardest time with COVID-19. I mean, it just he's a Cajun man. He's kissed everybody in this church at least once, uh, on the cheek, on the lips. Sometimes I'm like, pop, pop, pop. He's, but, you know, pop don't, pop don't live in insecurity that you may or may not like him, that you may reject him, that you may not. He, he's past all that. He's just he's happy to be pop. He's not trying to be an intellectual guru. He's not trying to be some guy who knows everything about everything. He just pop, and he's comfortable in his own skin. This is how you know that you've gotten free from comparison you cross that bridge is that you just are happy to be you and you stop trying to be somebody else you stop looking at what the stars are doing and what all the celebrities are saying and all the Botox that you think you got to have to be beautiful you are beautiful you're magnificent and when you get to the place you're just happy to be you I'm not talking about tighten up you know you got to paint the barn I ain't talking about that I'm talking about just happy to be you hey guys wasn't that a great word today you know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. 
You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you say, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.